everyone and welcome to this Archives of Disease and Childhood Fetal and Neonatal Edition podcast. Today we're talking about the outcomes of oxygen saturation targeting in the livery room stabilization of preterm infants paper published in this month's uh, edition of the print uh, journal. It's a paper that sets out to determine the association between SpO2, 5 minutes uh, and preterm infant outcomes and includes data from 8 randomised controlled trials including 768 infants less than 32 weeks gestation. In the podcast that's coming up we discuss uh, the intervention, the data, where we are in terms of oxygen in preterm infants and resuscitation and perhaps some uh, pragmatic advice for that 2 o'clock in the morning phone call. Once you've listened to the podcast, feel free to uh, communicate with us and uh, have a discussion on the various forms of social media that we have. And if you'd like to sign up to receive regular uh, editions of the podcast, please do so via the website, through your podcast provider on your your phone or through SoundCloud, uh, through the BMJ area of that website. If you would like to uh, ask any questions um, or have a discussion uh, via Twitter, please contact us through ADC underscore FN or Jonathan underscore Davis 3, which is me. And uh, I look forward to any uh, communication that we have in the future. This is a really fascinating discussion and I really do hope you enjoy it. My name is Jonathan Davis. I'm uh, uh, one of the associate editors from Perth. I've, I've met... Professor Sarkstad and Professor Tanamori before. Julie, we haven't met before, but I'm very pleased to meet you um, on the recording. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, my name is Julie Ui. I'm a neonatologist at the Royal Hospital for Women in Randwick and uh, at the University of New South Wales. So I've had the privilege of working with Ola and William for the last, I would say, 10 years now into this very, very um, interesting area of neonatology that seems to be changing every second minute. And uh, Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. And my name is William Tarnamudi. I'm Professor of uh, Neonatal Medicine at the University of Sydney, and I'm Director of Neonatal and Perinatal Trials at the uh, NHMRC Clinical Trial Centre in the University of Sydney. I'm also um, a co-investigator with Julie Oi on a currently funded trial called the Torpedo 3060 trial, which in fact is going to be taking forward some of the major questions thrown up by this paper we're about to discuss. A fell file of some technical difficulties with the recording. Professor Sarkstad is uh, a world-renowned Norwegian paediatrician and neonatologist, and he's internationally recognised for his research and resuscitation of newborn children. He is especially well known for his work on hypoxia, hypoxia reoxygenation injury, and the effects and mechanisms of oxygen radicals in the neonatal period. Uh, Professor Sarkstad's work has been extremely influential in how we resuscitate babies over, over many number of years. It is a great privilege for us to have three quite so eminent individuals on the podcast. I think we'll get started and this is a quite a thorny issue in neonatology and for neonatologists and has created much news, uh, both, uh, both positive and negative in the last few years. Um, this is obviously a paper which discusses oxygen and the saturation targeting during delivery room stabilization in preterm infants. And I just wonder, uh, could uh, one of you put this paper in context of where we've come from in terms of a body of evidence? So what is the background that has led us to this point and to this study? 
we started looking at this question um, almost about 20 years ago when Ola's work showed us in the early 90s that uh, we could use air to resuscitate hypoxic, more mature babies. So, and as you would know from the history, um, people have been veering towards using um, lower FiO2s to start um, infant resuscitation, including preterm infants. And um, in 2010, uh, there were recommendations by the peak body to change this FiO2 according to um, the baby's preductal SpO2. So these um, SpO2s are variously derived. Um, not many of them came from uh, sick preterm infants. And we wondered from uh, the existing RCTs, whatever information we had, could we uh, look at um, what SpO2 achieved in these randomized controlled trials, bearing in mind most of them were um, conducted before the 2010 recommendations came about, and to the baby's outcome. And um, we really wanted to see whether these babies could achieve these uh, SpO2s that were recommended by the peak bodies, and whether they could even achieve the SpO2 recommended by their own studies. Well, I, I would like to just um, add that uh, what we have learned uh, recently is that um, we cannot uh, just talk about preterm infants. Uh, we have to uh, talk about what kind of preterm infants, um, because um, the ILCO recommendations, and I, I support that, they they state that uh, babies above 32 weeks, you can start with air. Under 32 weeks, we don't know. And uh, maybe we'll come back to that. But what we know today is that uh, even babies less than 32 weeks have to be split up perhaps into immature babies and, and more mature preterm babies. What I'd like to point out is that this is a, a, an important hypothesis generating paper. And what we've done is to take individual patient uh, information that's been kindly shared by all the authors of these studies. And we've looked in terms of the babies randomized to a, a start with an initial FIR2 of 0.3 or less uh, versus those randomized to start with a FIR2 of 0.6 or greater. And the key outcomes of our individual participant analysis are shown in figure two, uh, which shows that uh, amongst the babies randomized to the lower initial FIO2 of 0.3 or less, you've got consistently worse outcomes in terms of, um, first of all, the number of infants getting to 80% saturation at five minutes, uh, the time uh, it took to exceed uh, 80% saturation, and the mean difference in percentage point saturation uh, at five minutes, and all of those outcomes were worse for babies randomized to the lower initial FIR2 of 0.3 compared with those randomized to the higher initial FIR2 of 0.6. And basically, I think what, what this challenges us with is whether we should be going further to actually do a prospective randomized trial of 0.3 versus 0.6 as the initial FIR2. And that's, in fact, the subject of the Torpedo 3060 trial, 0 0.3, 0 0.6, the two randomized initial FIO2s, which has just been given ethical approval for a very important uh, development, which is waiver of consent in Australia, so that we can actually start to randomize all babies uh, relevant uh, under 30 weeks gestation to one of those two starting And the Torpedo 3060 trial will have a five-minute target of 80 to 85%. So we're trying to exceed the, the targets shown in this study to be harmful or suggested to be harmful. And I think it's only with the prospective studies. It needs to be pretty large 
that we're going to be able to resolve the issue as to whether the problem, the adverse outcomes which we've reported in this paper associated with having low saturation at five minutes are because the babies are sicker and that's simply a marker of sicker babies or whether it's in fact because the babies need more oxygen in general and would be benefited by having a 0.6 initial FiO2 uh, start off. So my take on all this is that this is hypothesis generating data. It certainly suggests that we haven't got um, the, the appropriate recommendations yet and we need to embark on large trials. The Torpedo 3060 trial will randomize about 1,500 babies and probably need to be even larger than that to be able to resolve the issues that are raised by this uh, very challenging set of data. And that brings us on actually very nicely just to, to take maybe a step back from that sort of future thinking and that hypothesis driving to try and understand where the data from this uh, paper actually came from. Uh, who, what were the studies, who were the patients and what were the interventions? Uh, Julie, do you have a, a comment on that? Mm -hmm. So um, we were very lucky and very fortunate to be able to collaborate with the um, authors who conducted the original study. So um, uh, studies from, uh, they, they do range a fair way back, back to 2005. Some of them started recruiting from, and um, they were able to supply individual patient data for this study. So these, these were babies that were less than 32 weeks gestation, who were randomized to initial resuscitation with either lower, which was 0.3, and higher, uh, 0.6 initial FiO2. But it has to be uh, noted that none of these studies looked at initial oxygen between 0.31 to 0.59, which, also, which is the most common starting point for current conditions nowadays when they start resuscitating a preterm baby. Um, so whether this is data, you know, uh, we do need to conduct prospective studies taking into mind current practices. And we must also bear in mind that none of these studies had SpO2 as a, a uniform target SpO2 because they were all conducted before the 2010 recommendations came out. Um, so um, we can conjecture from these studies is, uh, as William says, a hypothesis generating exercise. And just so that uh, our, our listeners uh, who perhaps have the paper in front of them who are interested in this topic, um, could one of you just summarise what the main results of these studies were, um, just so that we can encapsulate what we found from these uh, eight or so randomised controlled trials in the 760 or so babies? I guess uh, the key point is in figure two, that um, when you take the patients as randomised in these studies, the patients randomized to have an initial FiO2 of 0.3 or less did worse uh, than the patients randomized to have um, uh, initial FiO2 0.6 or greater, which, as Julie pointed out, was often, in fact, an FiO2 of 1.0 oxygen. And figure two spells out that uh, each of these three outcomes, which we've uh, analyzed in this uh, meta-analysis, were worse. That's to say that uh, the number of infants that with 80% saturation reached that target uh, was less. Uh, the number of infants getting more than that target was less. And the number of infants with a saturation of SpO2 uh, five minutes um, was lower and worse for the babies given the lower initial FiO2. I just want to make a point about figure three and I think figure four. What we've done there is a little bit unusual because we've actually taken RevMan, which is the software that uh, we've used to analyze the randomized infants, and we've there um, 
allocated to babies in random red man to two groups, reaching a SPO2 of less than 80% or an SPO2 of 80% or more. Uh, now, that's in fact not what happened. We didn't write, these patients weren't randomized to those two targets, but what we've done effectively is to report an observational multivariate um, analysis using the ResMan software, which uh, shows us that um, basically, again, babies who don't reach saturation of 80% or more uh, have much worse outcomes. And that raises the question, is that because uh, they were sicker or because they got too little oxygen? And we can't sort that out outside uh, a, a new, a much larger prospective randomized study. Of course. Um, people will always try and draw conclusions. And uh, while we're waiting for randomized control studies, uh, there's always a little bit of a vacuum while we try and digest what's come before and while we wait for what's coming in the future. So for the for the registrar, for the consultant who's working in a, a district general hospital or a tertiary neonatal unit in the UK, if they're going to a baby um, who's thought to be extremely preterm, what, what do they do at three o'clock in the morning? What, what do they do tomorrow in this current, uh, I'll call it a vacuum because I think that's probably a little unfair, but what do they do whether there's some or there's substantial uncertainty as to oxygen targeting for one and oxygen delivery for two? Well, as a trialist, I would say, as a trialist, I'm declaring my conflict of interest, I should say, you should be asking your consultants to make inquiries as to Joining, joining the Torpedo 3060 trial. I really do think we need to embed um, randomized trials into our daily practice at three o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the morning in order to answer these questions. I agree with Willem. Of course, we need um, uh, randomized studies, but until we have more data and we're not sure whether uh, the outcome is, uh, the, the poor outcome in those who do, who do not reach the, the, the target, so 80%, within five minutes is poorer, um, whether it's because they're sicker or because they need more oxygen. I mean, until we have more evidence, what I recommend when I give lectures about this topic is that uh, until we know more, we, we have to aim at the saturation of at least 80% within five minutes. Uh, because if, if the poor outcome is the, due to too little oxygen, we can't take the risk of not giving sufficient oxygen. I don't know if you agree with me, Julie. Um, I guess um, the point I'm always asked is what happens when we don't have an SPO2 monitor, uh, or it fails to work, or you can't get a reading. Um, and I guess my take on that at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. at night would be use your eyes and your ears. Uh, one part of our results is um, the heart rate. Um, so we've shown that the kids who start on lower oxygen have lower heart rates by five minutes as well. So you could also take, um, and I think, um, you know, we haven't shown that either lower or higher initial oxygen is detrimental or beneficial in either way to date. We really do need more information, uh, but there may also be that other factor involved in this process too, where you go to while you're, while you're resuscitating or providing respiratory support for the babies, where do your saturations end up? Um, and if you don't have an SPO2 monitor, you don't, um, and you're not sure what's happening, use your eyes and your ears. Listen to your heart rate. Go back to the old days. I just want to add uh, what was found in this study is that very few babies uh, reached the, the saturation target. A quarter. So it's not so easy. It's not so easy to reach the target. 
Yes, because we aren't really taught or trained to um, hit those targets. We've been very focused over the last decade on where to start, but not where to end up or where we go to in between. So I think we need a lot more work there. And I guess it just uh, reminds us of the key importance of making sure that you've got adequate ventilation, that the um, baby's um, responding to resuscitation, that you've got a, a good seal to your face mask, uh, that if the baby has been correctly intubated. And I think the other issue that is being raised more and more is that we now need to pay attention to the routine data that we collect in the delivery room. And I think what this paper may help us to do is to establish new standards for the minimum data that we need to have recorded in all babies in the first five, ten minutes of uh, Post-life. Fantastic. And I, I, I perfectly agree with you. And that's a, a very nice uh, sort of segue into um, thinking about the randomized control trials that, that are coming up. Uh, Professor Tanamori, um, we hope certainly that this podcast is listened to, by, to people all over the world. Um, can you give us some information about how people would sign up to the trial if they were in various countries? Yes. I mean, if they send uh, Julie an email, Julie's the corresponding author. Uh, she's the chief investigator of the Torpedo 360 trial, and she'll be able to put people on to the trial coordinator and uh, get people signed up to uh, talking to us about joining the study and that will be a fantastic outcome. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you all very much uh, for a very pragmatic and engaging conversation. Um, as always, the listeners and the readers of Archives can get in contact and discuss the paper via the various social media routes on the BMJ Child Health uh, Facebook page, um, through the ADC underscore FN Twitter feed and through my Twitter feed, Jonathan underscore Davis three. Uh, Julie, do you want to just give us your email address so that people can get in contact with you if they're interested in joining the study or if it's uh, geographically possible for them to do so? Sure, that'd be a pleasure. Um, J.OEI at unsw.edu.au. Well, thank you all very much. Um, it's a very uh, interesting conversation and we hope that the conversation continues for people on the various uh, uh, multimedia platforms that we've discussed. Uh, thanks again. <laughs>